Before we start today's podcast, this is our first opportunity to send our deepest condolences and our love to all the family and friends of Tiffany Youngs. Uh, she was an inspiration to so many people and the reception at the start of Saturday's game showed what an impact she and her family have had at Leicester Tigers. And all our thoughts at the Rolling Ball podcast now go to Tom, Maisie, Ben and all others close to Tiff. least for another seven days welcome to the rolling ball podcast celebrating a Leicester Tigers semi-final win we're off to Twickenham and we didn't do it the easy way did we Elliot no we've, we've had less we've had uh yeah it was a pretty stressful afternoon to be honest I'm pretty glad had more relaxing we, Saturdays yeah it's, it's it's yeah it wasn't the greatest um in terms of the old ticker but um no it was good I think you know after nine years of, of of being away, we can now uh, f- climb back out the uh, dust off at the pre-match Premiership final routine. And, <laughs> dust um, off your brogues, you're off to HQ. <laughs> <laughs> uh, excellent. Well, you you were at the game, weren't you? And obviously, uh, as we mentioned in our precursor to the podcast, that this has been an incredibly emotional week. Very serious events, obviously, last week and tragic events. But also in terms of the team itself, with Alice and George playing their last games, I know that pales into insignificance in terms of the, what's happened with the Young's family. But everything was boiling up to it to be so emotional and everyone so emotionally invested in it. And even on the telly, I couldn't go and I'll come to that in a minute, it sounded so loud. Was that the case when you were there? Were your ears, eardrums taking a pounding? Oh, absolutely. We've been lucky. We've had a, in each of the sort of big games at home this year, Claremont and Leinster. They've sort of gone up a gear. Claremont, I thought, at home was a really good atmosphere. Leinster, a couple of weeks later at home, was a really good atmosphere. I thought Leinster was a was a top, top atmosphere and really got behind uh, the team then. And it felt a big game and it felt a big game atmosphere. I think Saturday went up another level again and that was probably one of the best atmospheres that's been at Welford Road for a very, very long time. And it, it it's not just the the excitement levels, but the atmosphere and the noise that was created. It was and it was very, very special. And everyone that was there should take um, a lot of pride in that because it was a terrific atmosphere. And I think it helps that in that semi-final setting where uh, the opposition or the away team gets a good allocation of tickets, the Saints fans, I think, actually added to that because obviously they came in good yeah, numbers yeah. and they you know, they got behind their team as well. And so what you had was that you had two sets of teams. Whenever Saints started singing, the Leicester fans responded and out and out, uh, out sang and drowned out the noise. And it was quite noticeable when Fordy went over and Freddie Stewart went over, the noise levels, um, the roar from the crowd, that that it was as good in in real life stood on the terrace as it was when it came through on the TV. It was, it was very, very special. And you can actually see when neutrals and commentators and journalists talk about that Welford Road atmosphere that's very much a game that lived up to that billing because it 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 it, it was special and I think that was a very very good atmosphere and in a way I think that was probably something a small little factor that actually took that got Leicester across the line but it was um yeah it was ble- don't you know, put too much credit on yourself but effectively you won, you won us the game 
Well, I, I've told Steve this as well, so yeah, uh, don't exactly. you worry about that. Well, no, it, rem- it reminded me a little bit when England played Ireland and, you know, there was adversity and, you know, they'd had someone sent off and all of a sudden every single small victory on the pitch was being cheered like you're one of the Saracens forwards contingent after winning a scrum penalty or something like that. You know, everyone was going absolutely mad for every knock-on that was, you know, against Saints, every every turnover, everything. Everyone was going absolutely bananas and that came through and it did feel like a wall of noise. Unfortunately, I couldn't come down um, because uh, I think I did originally plan to announce it on a previous podcast, but I think I ended it out because I realised my wife had told anyone yet. But effectively, uh, we're expecting our second baby in five weeks. We've got a little girl on the way. Well, we think it's a little girl. Obviously, do the scan. It, they, they did say it could be a boy doing the mangina in the womb, in which case, good banter. But at the same time, we don't know. So we've got a little girl coming down. My, my, I even dragged my dad away from the game so he could actually take Fred out today. So I spent the time trying not to get too nervous by actually painting the room and going around and doing loads of like home DIY and stuff. Just try and keep my mind off it because I was so nervous before the game. Um, and I actually, when we sat down and watched it, my dad and I sat, sit down, watch the Tigers game. Um, he got so wound up in that first half and he got so stressed out, not helped by Lawrence Delalio's commentary. Oh my God. But he, he... I didn't think it was that bad this he week. He was I, shy. He was ridiculous. I did, oh, I've watched the game back and I did you not see it at the end when Tigers had won the, the scrum penalty? And he goes, oh, I don't know how much, uh, I don't really like this lack of sportsmanship by Leicester. It's like, oh, Lawrence Meek Delalio, of course. Well, that was the only one where I thought it, it, he crossed over the line. I genuinely didn't think he was that bad. I thought he was awful. He ignored scrum penalties that were should have been given. But anyway, either way, he really gets to my dad's nut even more than he does with mine. So my dad just got up and walked out and said, I'm going for a walk and didn't come back until 10 minutes before the end of the game when he, wow. I think he'd be getting updates on his uh, phone to show that Tigers was kind of like now a bit comfortable and it was all right. So he said, right, I think my heart can take it now. Where did he walk to? Bath? No, just sort of walked, walked around the park, tried to pick a few fights with some local um, Bristol fans, I think, which is completely understandable. So, no, he he was uh, he thought, oh, well, I can't take it, but he's he's back now. He's fine. Uh, I don't think he's going to Twickenham um, this weekend either. I uh, might try and argue a way to getting a permission slip, but obviously, four weeks till till D Day is it's a bit of a tall ass. We'll see what we can do. We'll see what magic I can work, what deal I can cut with the wife. But that that was my reason. But anyway, we've got lots to look forward to. We've got Charlie Morgan uh, from the Daily Telegraph dropping in to help us review the game against Saints 2714. <laughs> Sounds so much more comfortable than it actually was. And then we're going to cast a high-level uh, preview ahead of the game against Saracens. And then we're going to drop a bonus pod on you later in the week, probably after the team announcements, Friday lunchtime afternoon, uh, where we're going to talk a little bit more about where the game that might be won or lost. So lots to look forward to. I'm Mike, and as always, I'm joined by Elliot. And Elliot, have we got any shout-outs this week? I think we've got a really nice review from... Uh, Matty Le- Tigers, we do. Five stars. That's kind of reviews we want. We kind of ignore the, the one-star reviews, because we haven't had any yet. Don't leave a one-star review, because that's not nice. But Matty Tigers says, new listener... Brilliant, informative podcast. Very enjoyable to listen to. Thank you very much. I assume, Elliot, the informative bit is probably directed at you. Well, that's very kind of you. I could, uh, yeah. D- d- informative isn't normally what you get f- from us. It's normally one-eyed uh, partisanship. So uh, informative mm-hmm. is a very kind compliment. Mm-hmm. So thank you very much. 
Speaking of informative, I'm not going to do a specific news section this week because I don't think we've got a huge amount to talk about, obviously, aside from the games itself. The, the one news thing I've seen from a reasonably reliable source in the South America front, and I saw this just before I clicked record on this, was that uh, the rumour is Matthias Moroni may be off to Newcastle next season. Yeah, I think the um, the longer it's sort of gone on with Moroni, I think that I think you have to we think we've got all got to accept that it's not looking good for the chance of him staying. Um, and all, 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 you know, I think if he was going to be um, staying on, it might have been announced by now. You know, you know, mm. until it is announced, you always have a bit of hope. And like you said, you know, a couple of months ago, all the chat that was out there was that he would be staying on with us. So. It's a funny one, but I think I think we're sadly going to have to accept that he is probably moving on to Pastures New, and I guess Newcastle. It's it would be a fit in terms of um, well, it will be a fit in terms of budget. It will be yes. where it's at. They've because... got cash to spend. They're probably one of the few that have got headroom yeah. because you know they don't spend up to the cap, so they've got yeah. plenty of headroom if they wanted to put a contract in front of him um, to do it. But if that is the case, it would be it would be a shame because he is a terrific player. Um, and he would be sadly missed. It would be a shame because, as you say, he is excellent. But at the same time, randomly, 13's become one of our strongest positions when you've got you know, Guy Porter, who's suddenly undroppable. Matt Scott can't get a look in and think how good he's been this season. So it, it is a shame, and particularly as we understand it, he wants to stay, we wanted to keep him. It's just the fact that you've got a shrinking budget. You've got younger guys who have come up who are all going to want, who we need to keep, the guys who have come through the academy who are all going to want better contracts. Um, and we probably just can't afford to pay him what he deserves. This isn't one of those things where you go and say, oh, somebody's just hunting the money. He's he's quite rightly looking to get paid what he's worth. And it could just be that the maths, unfortunately, doesn't add up anymore. But that's just the way it goes sometimes, hey? It may, yeah, it, it's one of those where him going might mean that three or four of our quality youngsters get you know a new deal. So it's that quid pro quo uh, sort of approach that has to be Indeed. took. So, um the reduction in salary cap does mean that um, tough decisions do have to be made on on players. And, you know, it is always worth remembering, as we said before, it's not just Leicester in this boat. Every team in the, in the country is facing similar issues. Um, and so tough decisions are going to be made. So we're not the only ones having to say goodbye to, uh, to saying goodbye to uh, to quality players. And, you know, it's, it's a common thing across the board. One thing I would say, if, if Brody is off, Thank you, Mr. Bateas, for the last couple of years. I mean, you've been absolutely fantastic for us. A really quality signing and has bought into everything that uh, we've tried to do in our rebuild for the last couple of years and has, has really got what Leicester's about and what he's been asked to do. You know, sometimes last year, he had to do a lot of the donkey work in defence because we, we were setting ourselves up in such a defensive way as we were rebuilding. And he was a big, big part of that. And he's been a big part of our sort of, to use a, uh, a marketing phrase, journey, from um, to where we are now, so and you know he will rightly go down as a um, a fan favourite, and uh, we wish him well if he if he does move on. I'm still not letting go of the fact that I still want him to stay. I, I, yeah. I'm not going to I won't let that. I won't let it go until it's still there, until it's in black and white and it's announced. I'm still going to hold a candle to him to him staying, but I think it is. I don't blame you, mate. I'm still I've still got hope until I see Ellis Genge in a Bristol shirt and, and inevitably vomit. Uh, I'm still not giving up hope that. He'll do a Wolf of Wall Street style, you know, I'm not fucking leaving. And he'll um he'll stay. We'll we'll see. 
I mean, if he did that with Sarah Egan on um, on Saturday afternoon after winning the trophy, I think that mm. would be absolutely hilarious. Yes. And that would go down as like... One the of greatest life's... moment in rugby yeah. history. Done. It is life's great moment where he just turns around to Sarah and just goes, yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying. I've won one trophy. I'm coming back again. Get me the lawyer. Get me the lawyer. Yeah, exactly. Pat Lamb, tell him where to shove it. Excellent. Well, anyway, if you want to leave a review like Matt Sargis did, that would be much appreciated. You can do that on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts. And if you would like to get in touch with us, please do. Actually, before I go on to that, we've had another wonderful email from our old friend, Wigson Tiger. Um, He's given his three-word review again. Gets it in early. That's how he he likes to do it. He's got some scoreboard pressure mindset, which, yes, thought that was very good. Uh, Genji picking the three, even when it felt actually at times maybe we could have gone for the line-out, but the way the line-out went, three points, wasn't a bad shout overall. Um, But excellent. Fantastic email again, and he said it was interesting. Obviously, Namani did come on for Kelly. We're going to get on to that with Charlie because it throws up all sorts of interesting dilemmas, not only about how Tigers played against Saints, but how they might end up playing against Saris. So thanks a lot for getting in touch again with you, Ty. Seriously, mate, do, do an email blast or something, because it's always good stuff for coming on there, but I don't want to read it all out because it's going to completely steal our thunder and what we're going to talk about later. But thank you very much once again for getting in touch. And you can send us an email as well at therollingmall@outlook.com, or you can tweet us. Our handle on Twitter is at rollingmallpod. Before we crack on, a quick thank you to our sponsors, St. Martin's Coffee Roasters, who are helping us put this all together. St. Martin's Coffee Roasters are a small team of coffee professionals, proudly born and bred in Leicester. Family owned and operated, they've been dedicated to perfecting the art of coffee roasting for the past 10 years, solely focused on sourcing, roasting and supplying some of the world's best specialty coffee to their customers across Leicestershire and the UK. They're passionate Tigers fans and St. Martins have long-standing connections with the club and are proud to help caffeinate the players and staff in their efforts on and off the pitch. In an effort to help the fans wake up on match days, St. Martins Coffee Roasters are offering 20% off all coffee when listeners use the code ROLLINGBALL, that's all one word, on their website. So visit stmartinscoffee.co.uk to stock up on locally roasted specialty coffee and use the code ROLLINGBALL, all one word, to save 20% off your next purchase. let's get into it a nice weekend semi 27 14 to the Tigers sounds comfortable wasn't comfortable lots to unpick and it's far too big a carcass for Elliot and myself to chew through so we've got the big dog himself Charlie Morgan Daily Telegraph uh, journalist came along uh, earlier on the season you were a big hit mate you actually provided some technical insights and knowledge which people appreciated before it went back down to the gutter after you left so thanks a lot for coming back again no worries at all. Big honour. Big honour in a big week. Thank you very much. <laughs> it was only Freddie Stewart last week, so exactly. It's kind of yeah. you, you, you've picked the standard. <laughs> you've picked the standard back up again. <laughs> um, Charlie, what was your sort of high level take on that? I mean, there was a collective sort of sigh of relief, and I, I think everyone's sort of gone between thinking we were lucky to well, we did kind of deserve it in the end to clash on through to how the fuck did we get away with it. And everything in between. Whereabouts did you sit now? You've had a couple of days to reflect. I think it was kind of what it threatened to be um, before kickoff, which was Saints coming in in form, looking really sharp with their phase play, having finished with they it was something like thirty-two points from thirty-five that they'd got in the previous seven games. Pretty remarkable given who they'd been playing and actually the way they'd been playing as well. Um, and I think 
Um, I know they, they probably missed George Furbank as a second distributor, but Tommy Freeman at fullback had a bit more room. Looked really, really threatening, I thought. Um, Hutchinson, I, Hutchinson could throw a pass as well. Wow, yeah. I mean, God, the way, the way that backline set up with um, Hutchinson and Bigger, Dingwall's pretty, still pretty underrated. He could have a really big season. Um, could, could the way the way the kind of selection lottery is with England, he could play at any point. Um, but yeah, I mean, for it, for for Leicester to get through that was kind of it was pretty impressive and and we'll talk about him later I imagine but George Ford really s- stood up in in the kind of championship rounds and 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 held it back um I think I wouldn't be alone in saying well no I'm not alone in saying because uh, Chris Boyd made the same point that the margin of victory really flattered um Leicester because Saints managed to make Leicester's line out a non-factor and they got parity in the scrum as well which I didn't see happening um so yeah, I think I think really really difficult one to kind of sum up, but kind of encouraging that that Leicester got through it. And I think there was always a feeling that again, George Ford spoke afterwards about this that semi finals are really difficult, especially when you're favourites. I think um, so to get through. And I know you guys, I think I've already mentioned it. You already tweeted, haven't you, that maybe the underdog tag will be slightly more comfortable um, this week. Um, which is going to be really, really interesting. I think you've raised a good point. I'm pleased you mentioned the Chris Boyd comment as well when he said, you know, if we'd have scored one, it doesn't mean that the second chance would have appeared. Always annoys me, and I tweeted this, when people say they left 21 points out there. Because if the, they score the first one, the second one doesn't... Have you not seen Terminator? Space-time continuum. It's, it's, it's cause and effect, isn't it? Cause and effect. Everything changes. You know, if like you say, Chris Boyd said, you know, we'd have set up, it might have given us a bit of a shock if, you know, Skozen had hands. It, it, it would have would have woken us up a wee bit. But, I mean, it was it's, an interesting... When Guy, when Guy Porter tackled Skozan for the, his fourth, was it fourth yeah. spill? Yeah. When, yeah. When your hand kind of involuntarily just goes to your mouth, it was one of them. And I was, and sometimes, very, very occasionally, you get you get papped if you're in the press box because they go to the coaches. And, I just, and then, but my hand was there for about 20 seconds. <laughs> I just thought, how is... How was that happen? poor guy? You, you went from being kind of like a point where the crowd actually stopped going really because I thought oh, that's a bit harsh actually because he's a good player. He just had one of those days, didn't he? Well, and we'll come to that in a second. But sort of overall, I, I think you made a good point that we had all this negative pressure building up for this game. Effectively, obviously, there was a lot of emotion with it. Guys leaving, obviously, the really emotional events of last week as well. The pressure of being top and knowing that you've got your rivals coming who are on a run—that's all negative pressure. And then things start to go wrong at the start of the game, things you thought you could rely on. And actually, again, that resilience to come through it, I think is really positive. I mean, Elliot, are you coming out of that now feeling a couple of days left? Because I think we were messaging saying, God, Saracens won't be worried about this. But are you now thinking, actually, look, this was one that could only go wrong. And the the main thing was just to get through it. Yeah, to a certain extent, the, the, the Bondi job done uh, tweet is actually quite accurate because in a semi-final, your, your job is there to win. Um, effectively is to get into the final everything else is almost irrelevant looking back at the game and I watched the game back I don't think we were as particularly bad and I just don't think we we're particularly great either we sort of hover around that sort of midpoint which is where we've been for the last few weeks if you look at Leinster Newcastle Wasps and now um, Saints at the weekend it's a familiar tale really where we sort of hover in that sort of midpoint between veering between we're not we neither one or the other we just sort of get through and, and find a way through so fundamentally I think that's quite it's still a good trait to have to be able to grind out wins when you're not at your best and you can find um, and you can find that way to victory. So I think in a in a positive way, that's what you've got to take from it. The issue we've got is the execution 
um, or the you know the accuracy point because our intensity was pretty good on Saturday. I wouldn't have any issues there. Our discipline was all right. I mean, there was a couple of soft penalties or free kicks we gave away, and Guy Porter gave away a yellow. But overall, our discipline was pretty was pretty good. The issue is the accuracy, and that's what's been the issue for the last three or four weeks, uh, or three or four last games, sorry. And, well, and that's across all fundamentals of the game. That's all facets there. So our kicking at times, you know, 40 kicks it over and it goes out for, for a scrum that comes all the way back, or, you know, overthrowing lineups or underthrowing lineups, the scrum suddenly falls apart. Or our phase play, um, you go for a couple of phases, we get turned over. And I think it's all those bits and pieces where, it's sloppy individual errors. So if you look at the defence, for example, our defence was actually pretty good as a collective on Saturday, but it's individual errors that, that allowed Saints to make a break each time. Now, unfortunately for Ford, it was him pretty much each time that, that makes the individual error. So it feels like we're going we're to pick on him a little bit. But without that individual error, no one makes a break. It just so happened that it was Ford that makes the error. But as a whole, the defence is pretty good. So I think going into to next Saturday, there's, there's a lot of tidying up that needs to be done to do it because finding a way to win like we've done over the last few weeks is great in the uh, normal league season to a certain extent in the semi-final it's good enough to get you through but when you get to a final you've got to be a hell of a lot better especially against the opponents like like Saris you do need to be better but so I think there's a fair amount of work to be done on the, tidy, on the training ground just to tidy up our, our plates are a bit scruffy at the moment. I, I completely agree but let's get into the game itself and obviously from the start, I mentioned that things started to go wrong, and that's the kind of feeling you horrible get, you know, get in one of these games. Where you go, oh no, what's going to happen now? And Dan Kelly goes off injured. I think Elliot, you and I agree on that. But that's that was a gamble worth taking, but unfortunately, a gamble that backfired because you wouldn't want him on the bench because obviously, then if he comes on and crops himself, you're really stuffed. Uh, but obviously, that reshuffle doesn't help, and then certain things that we were relying on just didn't function particularly well I mean they absolutely obliterated us in the first scrum I actually thought the first scrum actually was was a reasonably fair one but after that Charlie do you want to scrum Nor's question they they were quite clever I thought I, they should have been pinged off the park in my extremely biased opinion every time as soon as the ball got hooked they collapsed it and but the referee directive now is oh it's gone down it's towards the back the number eight's got it we'll just let it go but they did not want a shove whatsoever and on Leicester's ball you saw the guy actually pull go his elbow right down so he gets underneath Hayes. I think it was the one he, uh, which um, Grayson hit and didn't shank. And he gets right underneath and gets on the floor and, get, and gets then goes through him sideways in front of Maxwell Keys. They were crafty. They didn't scrimmage properly, but they've got to, you know, Tigers will want to target Budapola next week. That's That's got to be a concern, doesn't it? You expect it to be a bit more streetwise? Yeah, I, th- I think with those games, when they're tight and when those contests are so, um, so important and when there's a side that, looks like they'll have ascendancy there. It can become a real mess if the other side don't, as you as you rightly point out, don't want to make it a contest because they don't want to stay in the contest because because if that's the longer they stay in the contest, the more they're going to be punished almost. Um Boyd again was really interested interesting afterwards. He said that our scrummaging is actually an underrated part of our game. And I think I think that you you had two packs so Saints will use their scrum as a platform to launch those set moves that's what that's what they're that's I guess that's how they will see they've got Kiwi they've had a Kiwi in charge for a few years that's how they will look at their scrum Leicester going into that game had got um, a penalty off a third of their put in statistically which was you know five percent more than anybody else in the league Um, and I just thought that was that was kind of an absolute snapshot of how they were viewing the set piece and I think that speaks to 
Saints just trying to almost end that contest as, as quickly as they could, certainly defensively. But having said that, I think when you're right to bring up that first scrum, because it's all about perceptions for fi- officials, isn't it? And especially when, um, you know, early on, when something like that happens, you've, you've set yourself up for an, uh, the rest of, for an hour or so, haven't you? By looking, you know, looking dominant on an opposition puts it. Um, and I thought, and I thought actually, that was a facet, an impressive facet of, of Saints' performance. They've got, and what is slightly concerning potentially for, for Leicester is that is that Saracens, um, line-out-wise, Nick Ezekwe, okay, I'd, I'd be surprised if he doesn't start at the weekend, just because... He nicked everything when he came on, didn't he? His first three touches were line-out steals and then a ruck steal, I think, as well. It was insane. Awesome players. Surprised that he didn't. Surprised that he didn't start that game, um, and actually surprised that he seems to be a sort of a bit of a black sheep with Eddie Jones. Just that every time there's an excuse opening to sort of whisk him back out of the squad, he seems to be a bit of a fool guy. But so he could be he could be a really big player um, on the weekend. Um, they've got McFarland, who's been a freakishly good signing for them as well. So it's going to be really interesting. I think that then puts more onus actually on on the scrummaging and that contest, and then the kicking contest as well. Um, but that's what it's going to be. It's going to be just a game where those three, those three areas plus the breakdown is just going to be so fiercely contested. It was kind of, that's kind of tongue in cheek, sort of thinking about you know the neutrals and maybe the marketing guys would have quite enjoyed one of Harlequins or something to get through to the final. But that just none of them have, and that means that it's going to take on a real, a real sort of test match feel this this final. I think, and it's going to be, it's going to be one on small moments in, in in transition where an attack will have an, have an opportunity to be really precise and it's who can be the most precise in those situations. In the um, first 20, 25 minutes, Elliot, we were pretty off the pace, I think it's fair to say. Well, that's how it appeared to be. There was one side who was stringing stuff together and that was Saints and they were looking fantastic. I mean, you, credit to that back line, it's superb. It's brilliantly marshaled by Bigger. Freeman is a superb player at the back and obviously Hutchinson in particular for me in the centres is just absolutely wonderful. But if you're looking at this, you're being quite harsh to Tigers on this, do you think Kelly getting injured early created an issue for us defensively in our setup that meant Fordy was exposed a bit more? Or do you think it was just a case of him missing tackles he should make? Because he is usually reliable. I think, I think you have to credit Saints. I think you have to credit Saints for quite a lot of their, their good play because actually... Saints playing well forced Tigers into a few errors themselves, and actually, Saints did a lot, do a lot of the running in that first half. And you have to you have to credit that for them being the better team, and that's why you, you sort of go to half time going, "Oh my God, Leicester in Leicester struggling a little bit," and that's because of the, all of the good work that Saints are doing. In terms of the question, in terms around the defence, I don't think it helps having to do a reshuffle because all week you set up with with Kelly presumably at twelve, so we've run our we've run the patterns of play both in attack and defence around that setup. I don't think it's too much of an issue because Porter being on the wing was always that insurance policy. And Porter being at 12 over the last six, seven weeks in any case, it's not as if Porter hasn't been there before. You know, it's not as if we're reinventing something in the middle of the game. All we're doing is going back to what we were doing last week. So effectively, I don't think you can use the reshuffle as the, as the excuse. I think fundamentally, Ford was going far too high in those situations. If you look at each of those um, tackles that he missed, that's a straight one-on-one that tackle. That one on Hutchinson was, was an absolute shocker. Yeah, well, it's almost it's almost doing what twelve year olds do, where they try and grab the shirt rather than when tackle with your shoulders. Now, effectively, Ford, 
you know, an experienced enough player to know that when he watches the game back, he'll be disappointed with that because fundamentally, if he goes six inches lower and puts his shoulder in, he makes the tackle. And that's what he should have been doing. Just doesn't have to be a, a great tackle. Just have to chop him. Just have to be a roadblock almost and just stop the play and just slow it up. To have missed it by going so high and being so out of position, that, that's that's individual stuff that needs to be, you know, that, that someone has to take responsibility for in a week to put that right. So I don't think you can blame the system too much. No, no, I, I'd agree. I felt that those are tackles that I've seen him make before and that he should have made. And it wasn't like he was stretched to make those tackles. Actually, they were ones that he was lined up for. Now, you could say Saints well done for isolating him for a one-on-one. And perhaps sometimes I think one of them was off first phase as well. And you could say, well, hang on, sometimes 40 depends at 13. Why wasn't he doing it there? But he even got done in the 13 channel. So I thought he had a bad first half, but we're going to come on to how world-class he was in the second half because he more than made up for it. Um, but as you say, it was 6-6 at half time, and we'd really clung on. It felt like a bit of a boon to be honest. In fact, we were 6-3 up, obviously, at, at one point. Um, there, are, there are a couple of reasons for that. Let's um, talk about one of them. And I was going to be, I think, at halftime, I was thinking I was going to say something funny, like our best player was Cornel Skozan um, because of all the drop passes. But I did feel sorry for him. And, he, you know, he did have a stinker, but he, we've seen him against Tigers, of course, he played. I mean, Charlie, you and well, we all of us have played rugby before. I've, I've had a couple of shockers before where something goes really badly wrong early doors. That drop from Mitchell in particular was, was an absolute dolly. Um, you know, it's a gimme in the slips, isn't it? You know, looping up into your hands and he's got a clear run to the line and he just didn't recover from it. Um, how bad is that going to be for, for him and how, how how rueful was Saints of that? Do you think that knocked their confidence a bit in the second half? I think I think it's always tough, isn't it, when you've done, when it, against a side like Leicester, who are so solid defensively, when you feel like you've done all the hard work to break them down and, that can, and, it, and that's not necessarily over a lot of phases. It's It can be with something that's gone right, like Hutchinson isolating forward and stepping him and making the break. And they would have they would have definitely gone right. That's where forward is, take him on. And then that's the hard work done because that's a plan that's come off. When that doesn't, um, when the end of your plan doesn't come from fruition, it just must be heartbreaking. And I think that there is definitely a psychological toll that takes. If it, you have to feel for it. And then there was just, because his last drop was, just a phenomenal piece of cover defence, wasn't it, from from Porter, which is which is one of the ones that you think is that going to be really important in the shake-up and actually Leicester pulled away further for it to seem like it didn't matter, but actually, again, having, you know, that, that being five and potentially seven points, actually going back to, actually maybe, maybe that might have been on the, on the kick that Grayson missed. Yeah. Um, so it's then no points. That's that's just so tough. I think to kind of those little setbacks really, really add up. And I mean, he had the chance, didn't he? Because his first gaff led to the led to the led to the scrum, which led to the really big opportunity from Mitchell that you're talking about. And that gaff goes down, and then just when yeah, you feel, you feel, it is heartbreaking almost talking to him. And as I say, my um, my hand was clasped over my mouth involuntarily on the on the last <laughs> one. So I just thought, can't be him. I know it is him again. <laughs> but the thing is, that one was not like a bad mistake necessarily by me. Probably had the ball in the wrong hand if you were being harsh, but actually it was an unbelievable bit of defence by Porter. Shows how deceptively quick he is over that first few metres because he he actually showed Scoes on the outside. He didn't come hurling across because he was worried about getting stepped. He actually said, no, then go for the corner. And then he 
he covered him quite comfortably in the end. It was really impressive. Uh, we all know this is the guy who bought a fan club. I just want to address a rumour that a Twitter account was set up, the official Guy Porter fan club, which is a bit weird and is just tweeting pictures of Guy Porter. That is not me. I can categorically deny that now. I'm actually a bit annoyed. It sounds like it's a really good idea, to be honest. But um, no, you post your photos to Oval Park, to be fair. So uh, yeah, exactly. That's how you do it differently? Requesting them signed um, by him, yeah, in person. But never mind. But brilliant. The, um, the, the we've got to also talk about some good bits of play Tigers did because they did string together some nice phases. They did do some good work in the tie. I thought the carrying game actually with the forwards was impressive. Um, firstly, also Harry Wells, big shout out to him. Absolute nuisance of the lineup, more defence. He was superb. I was really pleased to see him start. I thought that was a great call. I then thought that Coley had a very, very energetic game. That's one point where I thought he was going to carry half the Saints pack on his shoulders over for a try. And then the guy for me who was man of the match, I know Fordy got it. But I mean, this guy was just fucking relentless. I thought Visa was off the charts. Every time he got the ball, he broke a tackle. Just how good was he? He was so explosive. Like from, he was still doing it in the seventieth minute. I genuinely think that was Jasper's best game in a Leicester shirt. I, I can't think of many occasions where for eighty minutes he was pure relentless. And he, he, you know, even with two minutes, three minutes to go, he's still getting the, over the game line, and he's still, you know, dominant in the collision. I mean, it was absolutely superb. And you talk about you know, championship games, championship rounds, championship players. Jasper has stood up as, as becoming that sort of championship player now where actually you, you look ahead to, to Saturday's game and you go, actually, if he has a, a bad game, Leicester lose a lot of momentum, a lot of, you know, all the stuff that, that comes with it off the back of what Jasper does goes with it as well. The, the physicality that Jasper and the ball carrying overall did is what helped contribute, I think, to that last 20 minutes. Because I think Saints just almost wilted under that constant pressure of having to defend that bombardment of dominant ball carrying. And I think in the end, it almost overwhelmed them because it was almost wave after wave after wave of Leicester attack in that, in that last 20 minutes. And I think that is set up by the previous 60 where Genge, Hanro and Jasper, I think has really peppered the line and got over the gain line each time. And you talk about, you know, Jasper and, and the work that he does, it, it, it is a remarkable, and we've said it before, it's a remarkable second half of the season because you go from being, you come away from the Bristol away game, almost going, he's a liability. You know, three yellow cards in, in pretty quick succession, almost stupidity in some of the yellow cards as well. I mean, he was a bit unlucky in a couple of them, but, you know, in a lot of incidents, he's a penalty magnet, he's a target for the opposition to be wound up, and he doesn't help himself in picking up stupid yellow cards. If you look at the second half of the season, that is all of that has gone. And Saturday's performance is the epitome of Jasper. He's very, very best. And where he just, it's pure controlled aggression, but it's aggression of the highest, highest order. And I think he's up there now as, as you know, we talk about putting him in the 8 out of 10 club. I think he's, I think he's higher now. I think it's like you say, I think he was man of the match. And I think that was his best, uh, yeah. best performance for Leicester. And he put, goes to me into the final now as probably one of Leicester's big hitters. If he doesn't play well, Leicester, Leicester need him to play well to stand a chance of, of getting over the line. I don't think there are many eights who can out for Napolo for Napolo in terms of making being that go-to carrier, making yards. And I think he's one of them. And I think actually he's more dynamic than than Billy is. Billy's obviously got a great skill set and you need to be wary of him. But I mean, that, that, you're exactly right. I think he's absolutely key for us now and I'm sure he'll be properly up for it. Um, just quickly, probably on the second half, pop quiz. Charlie, Guy, Porter, yellow card, right decision. Felt right to me. 
I was happy it was yellow. Put it that way. I just, <laughs> I just, I just think you, you, you want to. I'm certainly not. Uh, I'm going to go on a bit here, I think, but just you, you want to try and keep 15 on, don't you? 20 minute, 20 minute red car's garbage, um, but you've got to be absolutely sure that it is a red. And I think it was there was just enough doubt for it to be a yellow. So, was pleased with that decision. Uh, um, Elliot, agree? Yeah, I, I was relieved more than anything because you have seen them given as as red. But I think if it had been a red. I think Matt Carley's explanation of it, I think, was spot on. And I thought Carley actually had a pretty good game overall, to, to be honest, apart from some couple of scrum penalties. But actually, I think he, when you actually listen to his, his mitigation of, we're starting at red, head contact, it is foul play. He stood up in a tackle. However, the guys dropped in uh, the height going into it. Actually, I mean, Hutchinson like was, was on a knee, was on one knee as the impact <laughs> It, it follows the framework to, to the absolute letter. So I don't think you can turn around and, then, and and complain about a yellow card being given. Well, obviously in that 10 minute period, um, actually just very quickly before I forget on Jasper Visa, just to show how important he was, one area where we did really start to pull away from the Saints and where we were dominant was in the collision dominance front where we had won 25% of collisions. They only won 18. Um, that to me just goes to show kind of how important he is because he carried 20 times, I think, and nobody else was in double figures, which is absolutely insane for, for a back rower. And he was not slowing down. So I thought he was phenomenal. It was criminal. He didn't get man of the match in my view. But look, I think uh, <coughs> Billy, Billy Filippola got 88, was it, carried 18 times in that Saracens game. And I thought that semi final, when you, when you put him opposite Don Brandt, I think that sort of showed a bit of what test matches. How, what test match breed breeding players? And I think this has potentially got that already with it innately. Um, just one really quick thing to, to mention on Visa. I'd be really interested to watch the game back. I haven't done it yet, sadly. But um, the to watch how often him and Genja beside each other because yeah. that gives you that little bit of doubt um, when it when it comes to whether one of them is going to tip to the other. I think that really gives you something as far as that slight bit of uncertainty in in the defence because then what that does is then make sure that you're running against unbalanced defenders that was what opened the door for Ford Um, it was Genge with uh, sorry it was Visa at first receiver with Genge on for the tip on and it was pulled back to to Forley and the gate was open so it was um, was fantastic England used to do that that a lot with Billy and Manu Tulagi together so they did that a lot at the um, at the World Cup and just before the World Cup leading leading into 2019 and I just think that's just a huge weapon because you're always you know there are, there are effectively four options aren't there there's effectively the, the straight carry the tip on the pullback and then on top of the pullback if you've got a, if you've got a, if you've got a first a second receiver sorry like Ford who can be a threat mm. from that position it's it's, it's hell yeah. <laughs> well yeah it's a, well exactly we'll touch on the tries because it was absolutely wonderful manipulation by 40 but obviously they score their try and I don't know like even in that second half I did feel that we came out a bit different I mean it wasn't the best start but it felt like we were a little bit tighter a little bit more cohesive from the start and actually from 50 minutes we we started to kind of pull away a little bit now if we go and have a look at, at 40 and his second half performance Elliot I thought he was bad in the first half actively poor I thought he was so so good in the second half just to Tell us how good you thought he was in terms of taking both of the. Well, obviously, he scored one try and set up another. Just and his his kicking game and overall game management. I mean, it was chalk and cheese from from Fordy because that first half was was particularly bad, and at the time, at half time, 
he looked at defensive liability because it, it was, it's not just one incident, it's three or four. And you do suddenly worry, go, right, if this continues, you almost need the shepherd's crook uh, coming out. You know, you see a tweet going, look, put Freddie Burns at 10, can take four, uh, 40 off. And you go, well, look, it's not, the, it's not a bad shout because of the way Ford's going. Second half, I think he settled into the game really, really nice. And I think, I think that comes off the back of actually Leicester's overall good play. And I think he became more settled as Leicester became more settled. And as the forwards grew into the game and you started yeah. to get that, that dominance and you started going through the phases and Leicester started to turn the squeeze a little bit, you could see Fordy relax into his game because he knew the forwards were doing their bit and he could just go through his processes off the back of it. You know, Leicester go forward, Fordy comes forward and, and he can play his game. And it, it one follows with the other. And in that second 40, you, actually, you look at, you know, the first semi-final was set up as the battle of the tens, Farrell versus Smith. And you go, well, those are the only two tens that Eddie Jones has actually got to choose from. I think that second 40 was a really good reminder to not just, to, I think pretty much for everyone in watching English rugby, that 40 is still a really strong candidate. I know David Flatman tweeted about it as well. So a really good marker from 40 putting that down because his game management, his kicking out of his hands, his touch find is really good. The try itself is one, Really good play to manipulate the defence, but secondly, to spot the gap and show and go and get through it. It's one that was his spot only carry of the game. game. His only carry of the game. He waited all game for that. He manipulated it and he shot through that gap himself and scored. I mean, and it's a nice turn of pace as well to get over the line. Yeah, he's good at it. I mean, people say people say do it more, but actually, that takes away from the precision of when he does it. If that makes sense. Yeah, it's just then you start going to the range of passing that Ford does, and the second try is is classic Ford where he's, you can actively, you know, you see him on the replay clapping his hands. He wants the ball because he knows it's on. He knows that move. It's three versus two. And if with that correct pass along the front, Freddie Stewart goes in because you can see that Skozan is in no man's land because of, of how it's set up. It's not Skozan's fault per se. It's just how it's how the play has, has, has broken down. So well, it, it again, makes that, Skozan make a decision, doesn't it? He either has to come in for Porter. Or well, he, he, didn't, he didn't make a decision. He kind of floats in between the two. But but in the event, Forley makes the right decision and executes it in half a second. Charlie, that, look, there was obviously a big shift, I thought, around the 50-minute mark. Where If you looked at that last half an hour in isolation, you'd probably say it was entirely comfortable for Lesser if you didn't know what had happened in the first 50 minutes. But how much did that depend on also bigger going off reasonably soon after that 50 minute mark because he is a general for them uh you know as talented as Grayson is he is not damn bigger then there was a frankly fucking bizarre yellow card decision I thought um on their replacement prop I've forgotten his name now but it, it which seemed to me uh, it was a tackle on visa wasn't it, it seemed to touch the ball right up um you know, I thought Carly was giving us the rough end of the wedge in the first half and he made up for it with that absolute shocker, I thought, for, for Saints. I mean, how important in particular was the bigger substitution? Yeah, huge. I, I, I wrote before the game that um, Leicester, Leicester wouldn't find the kicking exchanges controlling them easy while he was on the pitch just because he's superb at that. And in the Six Nations, he pretty much single-handedly uh, France at their, at their kicking game and they, their kicking game is is just elite at the minute is the foundation of all the success and all the, all the good that they're doing he'd really knackered his back I think in the first half so I think he was and if you remember actually he's got a history at Welford Road of sort of soldiering on and, and <laughs> my dad and I were like oh it's the damn bigger show where he pretends to get injured and then soldiers on to yeah. him and go oh what, what a warrior what a warrior we were like no, he's not, he's not really injured same. but it turns out he was actually injured yeah. the Saints no, fans was... in front of us on the terrace said exactly the same he said don't worry be up in two minutes he does this every week 
Yeah, he, he, he is an utter gent as well. And he came to do press afterwards, but he was my colleague, Ben Coles, spoke to him and apparently before the interview, um, but Bigger said, do you mind if I sit down? Because I'm pretty, pretty broken here. And I think, I think he really was. But having said that, as you suggest, I was really surprised to see him come off. Um, but maybe that was a sign of kind of how confident, that, how confident they'd been in Grayson. Grayson was really good against Harlequins a few weeks previously to that. Um, so maybe there was a bit of sense there, obviously. Um, but no, I think I think I, I don't know. I don't know how much this plays into it. It's, it's hard to kind of um, try and put yourself in the shoes of those elite players. But I think I think sometimes maybe if there's a bit of a psychological edge, if someone like Dan Bigger goes off or maybe kind of gets a bit of a spur and goes right, this is my time to really seize hold of this. Um, he was fascinating um, after the game, um, George Ford, because he just kind of reiterated the message that he'd already given this season which was my performance at the minute under under Steve Borthwick is about just making sure I'm on top of all the momentum swings in the game and I think if you think about the game now um, after Saints has scored Alex Mitchell puts up a box kick Fraser Dingwall's charging after it Ford takes it passes it to to Freddie Burns in one movement Freddie Burns carried pretty well actually I thought um, at the weekend was a good carry in the lead up to Stewart's Stewart's try as well Um, Another good, another good uh, carry from Burns in the passage I'm talking about, and then that leads to Porter's break as soon as Porter's come back, and that is all George Ford first making that catch, giving that unfussy pass, and then giving another unfussy pass when he realises that um, Leicester have got space out wide. That's exact. Those are exactly the 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 moments where momentum swings in a game, and I've printed, I've, I've written out this is gonna this, but just before before um before. Uh, it reminded me of what Mark McCall said about Alex Goode um, a little while back. He said to watch Alex Goode, this Alex Goode, Mark McCall talking about Alex Goode, to watching players being reminded, to be reminded of the subtle, skillful, intangible aspects that encapsulate great rugby performances. I think that could describe how Ford's playing at the minute because there are small things, unfussy things, but when he's doing them, whether he's pegging back a team but by finding grass in the backfield, um, whether he's you know taking taking giving those short unfussy passes, I think he's just keeping Leicester moving, and he's just he's been doing that all season. It's been such a boon to have him available, and not playing for England for a lot of it. Um, and now you know he's got what will is very sort of very understated about his own performance and his own motivations. But um, I don't know. There's a bit of a twinkle in his eye when he talks about it, and I'm sure he'll be desperate to more than a twinkle in his eye when uh, after he. Gave the assist for Freddie Burns's, uh, uh, sorry, uh, Freddie Stewart's try. Yeah. Absolutely love that. The, the finger in the air, running around the terrace. I think you yeah. you retweeted it, didn't you, Charlie? Elliot would be right in front of you, I imagine. Yeah, yeah, it was bang in front of us. It was a great moment when you see when you see him doing it, and it, it's not the first time he's done it. He's, he's done it quite a few times. As they, um, he loves a good pass assist celebration, doesn't he? There's a there's a great one from a couple of years ago when we played Bristol. Uh, under Jordan Murphy and it was a game just after Christmas and we won like 31-20 and, um, and he puts Jordan Olofela away who then scored, puts Johnny May in the corner away and he does exactly the same thing where it's his break, his pass and he does exactly the same thing running towards the terrace, jumping in the air with the, the old Shearer. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's a good one for, for, for that. Uh, so uh, yeah, he, he loves those sort of moments. Sort of a cross between Shearer, Shearer scoring, and when do you know that video of Mike Dean giving a penalty, or or no, Mike Dean when the team scores and he just go, he goes <laughs> yes. off, yeah. he like wheels off, doesn't he? I yeah. think, is it, is yeah. it against Spurs or for Spurs? I think is yeah, it, it must be against Spurs. Everyone Spurs. likes to see a goal against Spurs. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's good that you mentioned the guy Porter break. Just 
quickly whilst on my mind because um, he kicked ahead and Freddie Stewart tried to gather. But he went down and he went down quite hard and he held his knee. I saw the replay of that and I hate to be sort of, you know, a doom monger or a pessimist. I'm, I'm sure that he's been properly checked, etc. I'm surprised he got up and he carried on playing, put it that way. If you watch that replay, his knee does, I don't know, it doesn't bend fully enough for it to you say that he's definitely done his ACL, but it it jars quite nastily, sort of pushing towards the outside in the kind of way that you see it happen when people's, um, people do their ACL. I mean, Charlie, do you have any thought, I mean, insider info on whether that was a nasty one or not? Uh, it was tracked heavily afterwards. My only insider info is that he did media today. So it'd be a bit of a, I would be very surprised if it's George Ford's um, and how he's got his, how playing and training against George Ford has, has really improved his positioning. But no, I think, yeah, I mean, those you're never fully fit, I imagine, as a professional rugby player, are you? And there'll be, there'll be tweaks and bumps and bruises that guys go through to, to play, um, to play on Saturday on both sides. Uh, we go into that sort of last 20 minutes, Elliot, the, the bench had a really, really good impact coming off again, I thought. And actually, that was another key difference in that 20 that took us away from Saints a bit. There was uh, the most beautiful drop goal in the history of <laughs> um, rugby at Welford Road. As <laughs> Fordy farted the ball over the crossbar for my 25 metres. Did he definitely think it was over? From my angle, it looked good. Uh, I, I, I'm on I the thought the height was fine. I couldn't tell from the TV angle whether or not it had hooked, hooked Yeah, from where, from where we stand, you get a pretty good idea of it and it looked pretty good. But I thought it was it was good because actually, I don't think JVP knew that he was in the pocket for the drop goal. So he kind of searched for him, which took his time away, which meant he didn't have a chance to kind of line it up nice. He had to snap it. So that's, that's the excuse I'm giving him for why it was an ugly one. But... Um, who impressed you coming off the bench? I think Ollie Chesham uh, was a yeah. really big factor of that physicality that he that he brings. And I think George Martin did as well. I think the, the last 20 was symptomatic of one, the, the strong bench that Leicester had with the likes of Martin and Chesham coming on and adding that physicality. But also the fitness work that they have as a squad overall. Because I think, I think they just overpowered Saints in the end. And, and I think it was a full 80-minute performance from some of the boys that were out there. So... And I think it's that combination which which has got Leicester through in quite a lot of games this season. Chesham's performance is that it was so good in in a way that you almost it poses a really difficult question for selection on Saturday because do you go? It was such a good impact twenty minutes that you want a good impact twenty minutes on Saturday, or do you want that physicality from the start and and to put him in? Because like you say, we're up against a Toje and probably a Zeke, two physical locks, absolute mall noises who are going to be all over us in in that department. And you almost do you want to have that extra grunt for that Chesham gives you? Do you want him for 60 minutes and then um, and take him off for someone who's not quite as physical? Or do you have him for that sort of bench impact for 20 minutes? I, I'm torn on that because I would I lean towards probably starting Chesham, but I think he was uh, absolutely brilliant. And I think both of those guys and, and Hazy as well, I think it was just a combination of just overpowering um, Saints in the end. And, and, and so often as it has been this season, it's the bench that you know, or the finishers, if you want to give it modern parlance, that, that, that get you there. Hayes and JVP for me. Charlie, what, what did you think off the bench? Did well, you think it had the impact Leicester wanted? Yeah, sure. I thought Van Portley was excellent. And I think it's really, well, I don't, I don't, I don't, I think, I think Ben Youngs will start the final, but I think maybe going yeah. into next season, those who starts those gun, who's in that gun lineup will be really interesting because 
sometimes when players go away to England camps, they come back really, really confident. And we probably didn't. It's hard to say that Jay, uh, Van Porfield's been excellent for the last couple of seasons, hasn't he? And he's clearly a very talented guy. But I think that he'll only grow from there. Um, it's Hayes' hundred game, wasn't it? Yeah, which is which is pretty remarkable. Twenty-three um, is but, a tight head prom. Yeah. Actually, just on that, uh, Painter could not believe it when I saw he was twenty-four. Fuck me, that is a rough paper round. Where's he do it? Like, <laughs> yeah, I Just in case anyone's listening from certain parts of Leicester, I'm not going to start listing off suburbs of Leicester and say he must have done the paper round there. But yeah, pretty rough. <laughs> um, the, the bench would be fascinating actually because you remember the the home game against Saracens. They they had um, had Genj Stewards. I've forgotten now, but they had they had it. They they mixed it around really interesting and Genj's. James came off the bench and his carrying was really important. And Saracens took off Farrell, who'd been who'd been excellent, I thought, that day. Um, and they sort of went went apart a bit, which was kind of very uncharacteristic unless the unless they nicked it. And that was I remember being reporting from that game and sort of just sitting going, and the end was really loud at Welford Road, and just thinking, God, there's something about something about them this year. And I think it's kind of a commentary maybe on the league as a whole. Certainly think the best two sides are in the final. Um, actually, for the last few years, I think there's been, whether it's been Exeter and Saracens or you know someone else in Saracens, there's always been two elite sides. And actually, I think those two have got through and then a little bit of a gap. And I think those two are certainly contesting the final this year. Okay, Elliot, we've had another barrel load of three load reviews. What have you got? Shoot. Wow. So first up for me is Damien Dix who put no nails left. And I think that is... That's not, a DIY, that's not a DIY crisis. I think he's talking about nerves. Yeah, I mean, I think we're all of us were in a uh, um, a similar sort of vein, especially after Northampton scored. That, just set, that did set up a pretty nervous half an hour as uh, the unthinkable started to become thinkable before the boys thankfully pulled it out the uh, out the pan. But yeah, I think that's a pretty fair reflection of the, uh, of the afternoon. I like this one by Alex Eagleton, who almost does... It's like it could be a catch line for a movie, refuse to lose. And yes. that was very, very on point, I thought, because there was a period of time, and I think you told me before you know, you hit the record on the podcast, that there was a period of time maybe after they scored their try where there was a little bit of nerves in the crowd. And then it was settled pretty quickly by Fordy. And that, that last 25 minutes, if you looked at that last 25 minutes in isolation, it was a dominant 25 minutes. And we ground it out and pulled away for what looks on paper to be a comfortable win. And that probably comes down to a hell of a lot of resilience because a lot went wrong before the match and, and in the early stages of that match. A huge amount went wrong. You talk about Kelly coming off, the, the scrum randomly disintegrating illegally or otherwise. And um, yeah, I think the resilience really shone through. No, definitely. I think that's a, a very fair uh, reflection of what went on. Uh, next one for me is similar to, to my first one is Glenn Coleman's squeaky bum time. Again, I think it's it's a similar sort of vein of, um, yes, we uh, it was quite nervy, but you know we found a way of coming through. And I think that's very much the tale of the season almost. You know, whenever... Um, at certain points throughout the season, we've, we we look down and out, and you go, "Oh God, we're going to lose this one." Tigers find it out of the fire, and you and you know, they might leave it late, they might uh, make up hard work of it, but they always find a way to win. And as we'll say uh, with with Charlie, it's a um, it's a good trait to have. I mean, it, it, you probably need a bit more when it comes to finals day, but you know, it's a fantastic trait to have that character when when things are up against you and things are a bit nervous. 
to keep that calm head and keep uh, keep your head when everyone else is losing theirs and find a way through. I think is a uh, is a really positive trait from a team that's for a team that's so young as well. Exactly, and there was a hell of a lot of fight and aggression still going all the way at the end, which is really good to see. Um, Cy Lloyd said, "Skozen's butterfingers." Um, Thank you, Skozen. With a, a, one of those, you know, ghostly shocked emojis <laughs> next to it, and there were quite a few um, about Skozen, which all done with in good humour. As I said, poor guy, you know, on, on a personal note, you don't want to kind of see a guy get beat himself up too much about it. It happens, unfortunately, it happened to him um, on a very big game. It doesn't change the fact he's a superb player and he's, he's caused us lots of problems. But my God, yes, thank you, Skozen, for dipping your fingers. In I can't believe it's not butter. He couldn't believe that he was getting the ball half the time. I think that's why he dropped it. But look, fantastic that um, <laughs> Lady Luck was with us. I mean, we've had some pretty shite luck over the last few seasons, so nice to get it dished back out the other way again. The remarkable thing is that Skozen under the high ball, I don't think dropped one all game. I thought no. he was absolutely... <laughs> he was a he rock. Was, I think in all, in all fairness to the guy, in the, the hardest of circumstances where we kept on pinning him with our spiral bombs and different array of kicks, he held on to every one of them and looked assured each time. I felt like you only have to feel sorry for the guy. But I don't know what happened, but he had a, a brain fart each time he, he got near the, the try line and all they had to do was catch the ball. So, and like you say, he's a quality player. He'll, he'll be back next season causing us havoc. So, uh, um, yeah, we, we got away with one. Uh, mine's not a specific one just to follow up on that, but there was quite a few that on a similar sort of vein. I think there was five or six that all just put never in doubt. And I think, Whilst that's a nice sort of tongue-in-cheek uh, way of doing it, I think that's a, I think it's quite suitable just to uh, to flag that one up. Indeed, there were lots of other ones as well. Um, people like uh, DJ and Cole, who said uh, for the youngs, we also had a few specifically saying, you know, that one was for Tiff from Greg Bagshaw as well. So mm. lots of people pointing out the emotional relevance of the day and, and who it was won for. All rugby is obviously insignificant compared to other issues, but that small sort of crumb of comfort and that motivation that was there and that was obvious for the guys to see. Just on a personal note as well, I thought Ben Young's actually had a really solid game in a pack that was struggling and it was nice to see him. He was trying to make things happen. Paul, you know, I think he put Hanro through a lovely gap actually and he was creating spaces around the fringes, which is great to see and absolute tip of the cap to him for playing through a game in such unimaginable circumstances and, you know, just again, a mark of that man's character in case we all needed reminding. I mean, both... Ben and Tom are proper Leicester and they are absolute um, characters. Um, and it is a joy and a pleasure and a privilege to have them playing for Leicester rather than against us. And we're very lucky to have both of them. Um, I'm not sure I could have played in those circumstances. So for Ben to have um, put himself forward is a very much the mark of a man. And I suspect Tom probably would have told him to to play as well. And I think that's, very much the character shows the character of both men and that family. And I think Tom was actually at the, at the ground mm. um, hidden away on Saturday. So, um, yeah, I think like we've, like we said, condolences to, to everyone involved in the family. And we've, you know, we're very lucky to have you associated with our club and to be associated with, I feel lucky to be associated with them um, as such. I feel better to, to, to be associated with them because they are, they are terrific men. And uh, yeah, fair play to Ben for getting through it. Absolutely. Final one, Ali Morgan, um, his 3-odd review was the correct final. Well, it's first versus second. It's also an argument that you shouldn't have a final in the league structure, but we all knew the game as we went into it. So if you are going to have a playoff final, yeah, it is a great final. Well said, Ali. Yep, here, here.
anything happening next weekend, Elliot? I've, I've, I think there's a couple of bits and pieces happening. Yeah. I think Might the cricket's go. on. I think the cricket will be back on again. Might go to Home Depot, need a little weekend if I've got time. Uh, there is also a small matter of Premiership final. Fucking hell. Nine years, is it, since we played Northampton and Dylan Hartley got a little bit lippy and now we're back there and we're playing our old friend Saracens. We had a couple of finals. I think it's 1-1 in the uh, finals against Saracen Stakes from recollection. Uh, sadly, the only one I went to was the one that we lost, not the one we won. But, Charlie, um, intriguing decisions on selection to be made all the all over the pitch and intriguing battles. But you said it before, it's the best two teams in the league going ahead. What, what are you most looking forward to as a neutral and definitely not a Tigers fan? I don't know. It's, it's, it's how, how, who breaks out, I think, of their, or who who has more than the, te- we know what template these two sides have and it's very similar to each other. And, um, you know, the fact that Borthwick and Wigglesworth have been such big, Figures in Leicester's turnaround makes it more interesting. The fact that it's Ford versus Farrell. Um, there's loads of really interesting head-to-heads, but the fact that it's two sides that base their very territory-focused, very kick-heavy, it's who will have more dimensions. And actually, I think we know who have more dimensions. Saracens are more streetwise. They're more probably, um, they, they certainly have more about them as a side, but it's what an elite coach like Steve Borthwick does to counteract that. And there's definitely, there's a template to do it. I was at, um, I covered um, two of Saracen's games in the Challenge Cup this season back-to-back and at Gloucester I thought they look unbeatable. They're going to win the Challenge Cup. They're going to they're going to piss the Premiership. But then too long the next week sort of yeah. that made them, look, made them look really, really ordinary. Um, and that was, you know, that was, they had a lot of star, star power obviously. Atzebeth and Villiers played that day but they were better than Saracens in the kicking exchanges. They went really, really hard at the breakdown. They um, they nullified they nullified Saracens at the lineout, and Saracens had good good moments in that game, but still weren't were, were comfortably comfortably second best. And it's just the little tweak. Really, really looking forward to to answer. Come around to your question. We're just really, really looking forward to how Leicester go about trying to bridge the experience gap. Um, because yeah, I mean, if you think about games like Bordeaux away. Um, Steve Borthwick is from the Eddie Jones school of of just being so sharp when it comes to one-off games. You could you could think about the, the Saracens game at home, to be honest, and in, in the same bracket, just how you how you set up. It a was sport. a strange selection as well. It was a really heavily rotated selection. In both, in both of those games, right? In Bordeaux, Bordeaux away in Saracens, you're thinking, what's, what are you throwing? Are you throwing the first game of Europe here? Like, yeah. What's going on? And then just carry out a carry out a game plan so so precisely that you're in with a shout at the end and getting over the line do you, do you think that I mean this again is from the Eddie Joe school remember like he built everything towards playing New Zealand um, and when they played New Zealand they brought out stuff we hadn't seen in the World Cup you might see flashes or hints of it but bringing it all together was the ultimate he's put out I mean, it's, it's happened during um, international windows both games have so neither side has been yeah, you know, uh, full strength. Oh no, I don't think uh, the first one wasn't, was it? The first one, but uh, they were still impacted. the Lions players, weren't they? Both were impacted by the internationals because Genji in the first game had been away on a but it was a strange one because we had Samaki and Van Dijk on the wing who, you know, don't usually, yes. to be honest, get a sniff on, you know, any of these kind of premiership games. And it just makes me wonder if he is kind of whole, has been eyeing this as a 
as being the game. And if we're going to get there, this will be the game that we have to um, win. And therefore, I don't want to show them anything. So again, Charlie, I got your optimistic thing that we've we've been holding stuff back. There's an entire playbook that's being dusted off right now and is ready to go. But the other option, the other thing that I think, Elliot, and I was messaging you about this at the weekend, was I think we've got to be brave. We can't play our safe territory game because I don't know if it's good enough against a team that's as streetwise and as experienced as Sarah's. One team that could probably do it as well, if not better than us. I think we have to either have a plan B or we've got to go out and give them something that they're not expecting. Do you agree? And does that impact selection? Well, to answer the first question of that you asked Charlie about what I'm looking forward to, I think that is the the unknown bit of, if you look at both sides, and we had the discussion after the Sarah's away game back in March because he, he played such a, a different team then to what was expected. It all pointed towards, is there a, a, a secret game plan that he's got up his sleeve that he's holding back for... Um, for Sarri so you have to I'm intrigued by that I'm intrigued by the selection that he goes with I personally slightly disagree with you on the, on the brave uh, aspect of it because I think we we go into the game as underdogs and all the pressure and all the attention all the focus is going to be on Sarri's because you only have to look at the side they put out against Quinns it's such a talented 15 but it's been there done that got the t-shirt it's an awesome awesome side and you almost you can almost go down to sort of a, in those instances, it can turn into quite a cagey 60 minutes where you effectively, it's not rope-a-dope in a way, but you effectively, you don't dominate the opposition, but you just do enough to stay in the fight and you make it into a bit of an arm wrestle. And you, you almost do what Newcastle and Wasps have done to us by just make it awkward and you just turn the game into such an awkward 60 minutes. But at the end of 60 minutes, with when the bench players start coming on, you only score in it. It might just be nine, eight, nine, six, twelve. You know, it's just a couple of points either way. But no, neither team feels dominant in the game. But neither team feels like they've actually had any sort of good points or bad points. It's just sort of the game's gone around it. And then you have twenty minutes to try and take a, take take a take a win and try and force something. And I think that could be a way that he goes about it, where effectively he just he almost plays like an away team does in football, where you sit. You know, in football, you go away from home and for 16 minutes, you put 11 men behind the ball and you try and catch them on the break for the last 30. He might do something like that. That's what's interesting uh, regarding that for me. And I think the weather forecast for Saturday is really intriguing because it could be absolute scorchio um, from looking at it, or it could be a bit more overcast and cold. It, you know, so it, it flitters around that, that sort of aspect. So I think you're right in that respect. Um, you potentially do need to be a bit braver, but... I also think there's an argument for actually holding something back a little bit and attack for the last 20 and, and see how you get on that way. What, what do you think, Charlie? Do you think the answer is sort of keeping the game and, and, and wait for that last 20 because when the opportunities will come? Or do you think it's we've we've got a brand new plan that we're going to dish off from the start, we're going to show something and do something exciting? Like the big selection for me, for example, Nandolo on the wing, do you start him, do you not? Um, or do you have him on the bench? Yeah, that's that's been a fascinating subplot, hasn't it? Right, just him. When was it? When was his his last start? It must have been a fair fair while ago, wasn't it? Was Quinn's it? away, I think. Yeah, maybe. Quinn's away, well, I think possibly. That's that's really interesting. So so again, to go back to sort of um, see, Borthwick's a guy that's done a lot of his lot of his coaching under Eddie Jones. England under Eddie Jones love a lead, don't they? So do Saracens. So do Leicester, and and. Chris Boyd's comments were, were, as we're talking about, were really, really, really interesting. And in that he said, well, our missed chances were so damaging because we didn't 
they by missing them we we ensured that Leicester didn't have to play any differently um I think both sides that's the, the, the most obvious thing to say in the world is how how important the start will be and I agree Elliot that you can certainly lose it early on and so both sides have got got quality certainly Saracens have got enough quality to claw that back equally I think both sides would be really will really want to get a lead, squeeze with their set piece, make sure that they're forcing, can protect, they've both got defences that can force force points. They've got both, both really, go really hard at the breakdown, don't they? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think, I certainly think how those those kicking and changes just can be fascinating. And if both Farrell and Ford absolutely masterful at just ensuring pressure stays on, pressure stays on, pressure stays on. Um, I think a key guy is probably someone like Freddie Stewart. And, and, those wing selections for Leicester. I, I personally loved how Porter and Porter and Potter got those nods because just to have come from where they've come from and to get past guys like Ashton and Dolo just shows shows one, it's huge credit to them. Two, it's huge credit to a coaching staff and a club where it's a real meritocracy and how how you're playing really, really counts and, and how your attitude is really, really counts. And those guys are just I just you know can't can't speak highly enough of the, of how they've been as signings, super resourceful, yeah. tough players. They are a sign for me of Tigers' recovery more than anything. In that you know established names, whatever those guys have come in, worked fucking hard, got to where they've got to. I, I loved it. I think it was when we won our scrum that sort of sealed the game towards the end of it. I think you know there was a bit of Archie Barge's JVP at the usual. I want to get the ball quickly, as if he's going to take a quick tap then. But you know, all these are pushing shove, and, and Porter comes flying in, and he's and I love love to see the crowd love that because he's he's properly invested in the club. Same with Potter; he he doesn't back down from anything like that. I think it's really good to see. But turning back to Saracens, and both of them are very hard to drop at all. Now you you, you find it very hard to drop either of them. But turning back to Saracens and how you can possibly counter because they are they are such a strong team. But as you say, you've seen them kind of fall apart the seams a little bit. I think they lost at home to Edinburgh, which was bizarre as well. But we'll take that as a complete anomaly. But the Toulon game, they were kind of picked apart. And I, I looked um over the weekend um whilst my son was napping and my wife was napping so I was, I was being sad again. And I had a look at the extended highlights. So I haven't looked at the full game. But where they they looked to struggle was when again as you say going really hard at the breakdown um, in the wider channels where they would resource, you know, Saracens putting one bloke to, to cover off and they effectively, I think it helps when you've got someone like Villiers on the wick, who is just effectively the Terminator smashing through people, but effectively hitting the counter rucks really, really hard and messing up the ball. And also they found joy attacking the wider channels and stacking the wider channels with forwards as well, which I thought was quite interesting. And, you know, that is something we did a bit more early on in the season, but not so much recently. And again, it feels like it's been reined in a little bit. So, I mean, Elliot, do, would you want to see sort of guys like Liebenberg lurking in those wider channels to try and create a bit of mayhem? Yeah, I think that I watched the Toulon game a few weeks ago and it, it is a fascinating watch and it is almost a blueprint of how to take on Saris because they really did a job on them and it was a, it was a sustained job on them as well. I think that the breakdown selection is really interesting because you can make a very strong case for having a back row of Martin, Liebenberg and Wieson having that extra physicality that those three bring. But Tell Charlie you, the nickname we, we gave them, which I don't think of. Uh, the Bang Brothers. Yeah, yeah, I know. We didn't realise... Well, I did realise as soon as I said it, it was a porn production company, unfortunately. 
Um, but it's, it's caught on, which is great. So that's the Bang Brothers, those three. Good. <laughs> so they, um, they travel to games on the Bang Bus. <laughs> <laughs> do you really want to? Do you really want to take this? Do you to take this? I'm not going to tell you about the taxi service. Anyway, <laughs> we'll, we'll leave that. <laughs> anyway, sorry. <laughs> So I think it's interesting because do you go with those three as, as your back row and take the physicality that those three bring? Or do you go with someone like Tommy Turnover and have that um, more mobile seven who's an absolute breakdown menace at all aspects of the game? And I think deciding there, I think, is a really interesting point because you can, again, you can make an argument for either or. And I'm not quite sure what what's the better option because they're, they're equally as strong as each other. But... I, I sort of lean towards having Tommy for the last 20 minutes, but that's the, I'll probably change my mind again tomorrow. Because Just finally, I suppose then taking that, do you think that the physicality in the wider challenge is going to be important? And, and where would you go with, with Leicester's back row for this? Because they've got to counter a guy who perhaps surprised a few people, but being selected as Premiership Player of the Year, Ben Earl, I had it as a shootout between Montoya and, um, and Esterhausen, but then I watched in full the game Earl against Harlequins and he was I mean a hat trick aside you know we'll just ignore the three tries he scored he's just this coiled up explosive ball of pure power and he kind of wanders around not doing a lot and then he if he hits a rug he doesn't just stick his head sort of into it he explodes through it with this this energy that is just really hard to comprehend so and somehow nullifying him is going to be difficult and for me I'd probably lean towards Tommy um, being there for that, as opposed to just straight out physicality. What, what do you think, Charlie? Yeah, I was I was carried for his first try. I was watching that in the in the Leicester and just and just said, "Fucking hell!" When oh, um, fucking hell, oh fucking hell! When because um, Will Evans just wasted Will Evans, didn't he? Who's who's an outstanding player? Um, yeah, I quite, I quite like the balance, to be honest, of of what they've had um, with. Liebenberg, um, Raffle and um and Visa. And I think actually actually towards towards the maybe about a year in this, but we know Liebenberg's really comfortable out wide because he's there quite often. Rafael's been looked pretty good out there too. Um and you've clearly got Visa, Visa and Ganja will be going up to work, going to work up the middle will be really important as far as that gain line. So I, I like the balance of that. I think Locke's really interesting because Chesham um he, he didn't start against Leinster, did he? So there are two, there are two sort of big games that he hasn't he hasn't gone with him to start. So um, again, that's a re- that's a really interesting call. The, the kind of front row um, picks itself, and Montoya, I think, wasn't actually as fortunate over the ball as, as maybe he might have been. He might get a few more. Might get, I'd expect he'd go very hard again, and um, and um, and maybe get a bit more joy. Um, Nadolo out out wide as a breakdown threat could be a little wild card. He's also he's always been just a nuisance out there. So um, I, th- I expect I expect Leicester to just pick a side that can go go really hard all over the pitch, um, and and that to be a real big kind of kind of weapon. I don't think we'll see a lot of rugby early on in the middle of the field because I think that kicking battle the two sides absolutely love territory. However, what won it for too long was a little bit of boldness on the back of that kicking game and, and ball movement. And as you, as you mentioned, those, those back rows that they've got were a real big part of that. Carbonell was brilliant in that game. Moved yeah. ball brilliantly. And that's a, that's probably a bit of a template for how George Ford will want to play. And for me, another big, a big um, selection, a selection kind of decision. And, and Freddie Burns was talking about how he was going to be on the bench 
sort of in media today, but Leicester's distribution with, with Dan Kelly, what you get is sort of a three and one player, right? His, his kicking's developing and he's a fantastic defender. He carries hard, his offloading game's coming on, but this season his distribution's been fantastic. Losing that is quite is is a bit is a bit of a kind of a bit of a concern. And I think that's why Freddie Burns came on rather than they could have brought on Nadolo. And Burns said today I thought Nadolo was going to come on, but it was me. Um so how Leicester service those wide channels because they will I think they will defend well enough to get a few chances in transition and to beat Saracens as Harlequins found out you've got to be really really precise see I think that's really interesting it's interesting that Burns sort of hinted that he'd be on the bench because I was thinking about it because Burns in both games have started at 15 we've noticed um on Saturday against um Saints, when he came on, the range of kicking that he offers, and it happened against Quinns away as well, the two kickers on the pitch, and, and Fordy and Freddie actually kicked the ball in different ways. And given the importance of kicking, I this morning when I was thinking about selection for Friday, I had Freddie Burns starting at 15 with Freddie Stewart on the wing. And then it was then a shootout between who you wanted on the left wing and how he wanted to make up the bench options off the back of it. And then it was whether you want Namani or whoever. But I had Freddie Burns at 15 coming into line and having that distribution because it was very noticeable away at Saris. Our distribution improved with him coming into first receiver a lot more and fizzing the ball out wide. And it has been very noticeable when he does come into line. He, he carried well against Saints. I think that second distributor role, he's, he's, and if you look at Freddie Stewart's try against uh, Wasps last week, he ran a decoy runner uh, for Ford to put the ball in from Moroni across to, to Stewart. I personally would start Freddie Burns at 15 because I think he, I like that balance that he gives. Seconded. I think it's a very... When I talk about wild card selections and stuff like that, mine would be Freddie Burns. I think it has to be. I think if we want to work the wide channels, then we need people, someone to allow Ford or even Freddie to get into that second layer of attack to give it width because the Saracens' defence will be so good that you can't you can't get there with just one wide pass, not unless you want Tompkins that Tit, who's a very good player, but really winds me up every game. Port is not a tw- running like a passing twelve. He's not no, a, he's a running twelve. He's a running twelve, isn't he? Exactly. Well, look, we're going to go and give you, if you like us, it's good news. We're going to go and give you a more detailed pod, a bonus pod on Friday. Once the teams drop, we're going to try and sneak off at lunch and do a quick podcast. That'll be it for uh, for this preview. Um, Charlie, dare I ask? I mean, shit. Let's do let's do predictions. Charlie, what's going to happen? You're going to piss all over our, our happy faces. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I think. As things stand, I had Saracens by eight before I came on, but I think just just because of how streetwise they are, how it's a, it's a, it's early in the inverted commas journey for this for this Leicester, <laughs> Leicester side. Um, but you know, I would never knowingly underestimate Steve Borthwick. I think he's a, I think he's a genius. I think he's gonna I think he's gonna devise something that's gonna really trouble Saracens and make sure. And you know, it's it's how it's how. Leicester execute that on the back of that. Elliot? Yeah, um, I think it's going to be a really tight game. I think both teams are going to be um, tight and cagey. I think Saris is very much favourites and I think that suits Leicester. I think it will be a measure of, like Charlie said, how Leicester can implement a game plan and whether they can um, tidy up all the errors that, that they've had over the last few weeks. And if Tigers can can get that there's a lot of improvements still to come from Leicester because if they tidy up their error counts to such an extent they really can be um, 
challenging Sarah. A step too far, potentially, um, just as it was against uh, Leinster. But I do think with five minutes to go, I think with 75 minutes on the clock, I think all three results could be on could be on still. And I wouldn't be surprised if it did go to extra time, just the nature, the cagey nature of the game plans and, and how the two teams cancel out each other. I normally tend in these sort of games to sort of go against Leicester to make sure I'm, I'm happier and surprised at the end. So I, I will go with that again. I think Saris might just have a little bit too much in the exchanges. So I'm going to go Saris by four. But it's, 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 test, it's going to be a test match. It's a cup final, so it's a lottery in itself. Leicester have got every chance of doing it, but they've just got to play the perfect game and see how to get on. Coward. No, I, uh, I actually completely agree with you. It's Head is saying to me, Saracens, for the reasons you've given. But I'm not going to knock back us. I'm going to say, uh, going to go completely all emotion, Tigers by three, um, with some sort of Dan Hipkiss, weird Houdini try um, at, at the end, just to, to add a bit of drama. Charlie, mate, thank you so much for coming on. I apologise for firstly your dodgy internet and now my dodgy internet ruining what would have been a very nice chat. Uh, that's uh, Charlie Morgan of the Telegraph. Do subscribe to the Daily Telegraph sports page because it is very, very, very good and you get lots of good insight. Charlie, thanks a lot, mate. Thank you. Charlie. Congrats on the season, lads. <laughs> Right, well, that'll be it for us. Well, for this part of the podcast, so to speak, there'll be a second load being thrown your way uh, on Friday. Yeah, this is like first half. We're about to approach half-time oranges. I don't know if it can be first half, maybe first three quarters, because I don't know how much time we can spare on a Friday lunch, ducking out of work to quickly go and record a podcast on our lunch break. But we'll do our very, very best to make sure it's detailed and thorough and you've got lots to look forward to. Anyway, in the meantime, I hope all of you listening carry on enjoying and, you know, being Basking in the glory. Yeah, exactly. Being modest about the win. No, rub it in their faces. If you know anyone from Northampton, let them know that we only tease them by letting them think that they could win. At least ask them how the rugby went. Just ask them how the rugby went at the weekend. You're a cruel man, Elliot. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. We'll see you again later on this week. And in the meantime, have a great week. (laughs) 